So, as I'm sure you're all aware, the coronavirus is taking over the world. Currently, I am stuck in self-isolation in my tiny wee flat. But more importantly, the poor guys at Unsung Podcast are going to start suffering soon enough. And when they have to go into isolation for 14 days, yet are on zero hour contracts, they won't be able to earn any money. So I think you should all take this opportunity. Because we're earning so much money already. Yes, uh uh-huh, mega bucks. So I think it's really important that everybody digs deep into their pockets and makes donations, not just small donations, large donations, so that you can keep the guys and the lifestyle they're very much accustomed (laughs) to, which involves uh, stoning about the tin, getting free pizzas... And going to gigs. You've totally nailed it. <laughs> That's totally true. That's all I do. <laughs> yeah, where should people go to pay his money? Uh, I think if you want to pay his money, you should go to patreon.com forward slash unsung pod where we have a lot of really cool things that you can see and maybe get one day in the, not in the distant future when we actually fulfill our promises. Right, on with the episode. <laughs> Welcome to the Unsung Podcast. I've not said that for a long fucking time. Post-apocalyptic edition. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so we're here in coronavirus hell, and it's only just begun. Yeah, we're only on the cusp, but it's already dismantling this entire podcast. It uh, it's only Mark and myself in the studio, i.e. my flat this week, because David has been detained since the, the whole live events industry collapsed overnight. Uh, but we have drafted in uh, a rather wonderful contributor in the form of Anna Goldthorpe, who we've interviewed in the past. Anna, you want to say hello? Hello, unsung listeners. It's good to be back. So, uh also, uh, this was actually pre-coordinated, d- despite all the corona implications, because Anna and Mark have uh, one particular enthusiasm in common. Yeah, we do. Isn't that right, Anna? Absolutely. Well, I didn't even realise that it was something that we were both enthusiastic about until um, recently, so it's nice to to bond together in the Fiend Club. <laughs> I was going to say that. Damn it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I take it this is a thing. Right? Yeah. yeah, this is a thing. All right, okay. I'm, I'm going to be on the outside of this for pretty much the whole episode. So, you know, we could do like a dictionary. Uh, so, uh, right, you might as well uh, explain what that's all about. Yeah. Well, you take it away, Mark. You're the main oh. man on the Unsung Podcast. Your host. It was your choice, though. <laughs> she, no, she's got a point. We did. We, Ma- Hello, I'm your host, Mark Fraser. I was one <laughs> of the hosts. <laughs> Fuck you guys. <laughs> I was really hoping that I could open the episode with the Hello, and today I'm your host, Anna Goldthorpe. Right, okay, I'll tell you what. Let's do a scratch, a scratch edit here, Anna. You, you pretend to be Mark and you open the podcast. Yeah, right? let's do that. Okay. Hello and welcome to Unsung Podcast. This is a special coronavirus edition with me, your host, Mark Fraser. I am joined by Anna Goldthorpe and the wonderful Chris Cusack. Hi, I'm Anna Goldthorpe. <laughs> <laughs> 
I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> my, my accent's not broad enough, Anna. Sorry. Uh, no, it's not. It's not. You need to have it up a bit more. So, Anna, you're currently locked in a tiny flat in the East End. Why is that? Uh, because I went on holiday to Italy and unfortunately for me, on the 29th of February, I flew into Venice before moving north out of Corona territory. But because uh, Venice became a lockdown area on Sunday when I arrived home, it meant that I had to then self-isolate along with my husband in our wee two-room flat. And the only good thing about it is that because it was the 29th, we then had a week in Italy and now we only need to self-isolate for a week in Glasgow. But it's going to be pretty intense and quite a bonding experience. Hopefully we will <laughs> remain married by the end of the I was going to say, you're, you're married, that's already a bonding experience, is it not? <laughs> in theory, at least. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, talking of another victim who can't be here, David, who works in live events promotion, has just had the rug pulled under him on half a dozen really big shows and is oh, no. working a double shift today trying to like, repair some of the damage. I'm gutted because we're we're due to go on tour soon and we've been told that in Europe you're not allowed more than a thousand people in a room together, so... That's really going to affect us. Man, all the shows are gone. <laughs> anyway, so talking about uh, <laughs> talking about shit bands, um, we should uh, fuck off. Well, you know, sh- shit now, Mark. Shit now, and I, yeah. I don't think that's a controversial opinion. No. Um, okay, we should probably press on with this subject. Hopefully, you'll get to see how Anna's rest at some point. In the oh next, yeah, Anna. Week or so. uh, push the boat out. So like, I think seriously. you should. I think you should announce it, Anna. Okay. Uh, so for this episode, I have the absolute pleasure of getting to discuss one of my favourite punk albums of all time by my favourite punk band of all time, and it's going to be Static Age by The Misfits! Yeah. So that's, that's, that's the band of Michael Graves that sings in them, that's, right? That's the one, yeah. <laughs> the one. Uh, yeah, You're so this is actually uh, a really... <laughs> this is a really interesting record. Uh, and I, I I have only like a passing awareness of the Misfits. We've mentioned them a bunch of times in here. And I have no pro- I had no problem with the Misfits in terms of uh, they're not something that offends me, but I didn't at any point in my life actually go out my way mm-hmm. to try and get into them because there was nothing that drew me in. There was nothing mm. that repelled me, but nothing that really drew me in. It's interesting I've been forced to go into more detail on the <laughs> band and actually start to distinguish the different periods because the periods Aye. with this band are incredibly significant, right? Yeah. Well, They're so it's like a really, really bitty band. It's interesting that you say that, Chris, because actually I had heard several Misfits uh, songs as a teenager um, someone put the song Skulls on a compilation for me and I absolutely loved that but then had 
dug into them a wee bit and heard other songs and thought they're just some pish metal band. And then it was only <laughs> once I reached my early 20s that I properly did some digging and realised how different the Danzig era was and that's when I got more into them. So I'm a wee bit different from other punk fans in the sense that I came very late to the party when everyone else was listening to them as teenagers because the likes of my pals were in AFI and other bands that covered the Misfits. You're not wrong in, in saying that they're a shit metal band because they are. They are also <laughs> a shit metal band into the bargain as, as well as being a, a pretty good punk band. They are also a terrible yeah, metal band. They're, they're like the, the father, son and the Holy Spirit, aren't they? Yeah. They're like a great punk band, a kind of really annoying pop punk band and then a shit metal band mm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark, you are, are you a lifelonger? No, I'm actually, I'm quite similar to Anna, although I kind of... I'd known the Misfits because of AFI. Um, I'd only really heard the Misfits because of AFI covers, so um, Halloween, the Monomania. Mm-hmm. Last Caress, the, the three songs that spring, I'm sure they've covered more than that. But these are the three songs that I remember them covering. Um, yeah, so they're the progenitors of goth punk, right? Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and, and whatever that means, because that means obviously means quite a lot of things throughout the different areas of the band, and we'll talk about that a little yeah. bit as well. Uh, but I think, yeah, I, I, so I hadn't really went much further than like you know the headline tracks, including some of the Michael Grave stuff. Like I think a couple of the songs. I think the two albums that they did with him have got a, a few choice tracks on them. I know, I know, I know people that do um, genuinely really like them, and yeah. I, know, I know they're not what you guys like the most. But uh, I, I haven't listened to them objectively. They're certainly no worse than a lot of the pop punk that we've covered. Absolutely, you know. And uh, my friend is a, is a he's a Michael Grave that guy. Like he prefers Michael Grave to take on Danzig. Um, Fuck I get that. Off. Tell your friend <laughs> he needs to get a grip of himself. In fact, I'm telling him now. I hope he's listening. Whoever you are, get a grip of yourself. Craig, get a grip of yourself. Self isolate, Craig. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna bounce off you guys here because obviously I'm the, I'm the newbie. But this came out in 1996. Yes. But this was recorded in 1978. Mm-hmm. That alone is fascinating. It is, isn't it? So you want to tell us a bit about that? They had recorded all of these songs with the intention of releasing them on an album, but that never happened. Mark, can you remember exactly why that didn't happen at the time? Well, basically, they kind of they're a band that had a couple of hiatuses and stuff as well, but for for reasons that are kind of uh, a little bit murky, I guess uh, yeah. the, the band couldn't get signed, and that that was a big thing. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, they'd release singles and stuff on. Well, Danzig would release singles and stuff on his own records, yeah. on his own record label called Blank Records, and um, it turned out that somebody else on the trade wanted to own the trademark to that. It's Mercury Records, Mercury Records. wanted bl- Blank for an imprint, so yeah. they gave the the Misfits thirty hours of studio exactly. time as a yep. as as a buyout, and they used it to record mm-hmm. these seventeen tunes, right? Yeah, so yeah. they recorded seventeen songs, and then they decided they were going to go in a different direction musically and aesthetically uh, mm-hmm. so they kind of shelved the whole project and started afresh mm-hmm. um, so while this is ostensibly their first record it was never really the first record released despite the fact a lot of the songs that were on it or not a lot of the songs but a few of the songs that were on it were definitely released as singles during the time yeah. uh, before their, their first proper album so it it was started by Glenn Danzig who obviously people will know from Danzig and things like the song Mother <laughs> 
Which is just, yeah, his anthem. Uh, but Glenn Danzig started the Misfits, and who was who was it, the bassist that he started it with? Jerry Only, yeah. yeah but Danzig was playing piano at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was like piano, yeah. bass, and drums. Uh, yeah. Really odd. And you do hear a wee bit of that in it. Um, but then, ultimately, this album only came out, though, because after Glenn Danzig had left, they took him to court to finally uh, allow them to get the rights to this stuff to release it. And that, mm-hmm. Hence the 1996 versus 1978 thing. The tracks that went on to be on Static Age were released in the Misfits box set uh, on yeah, the CD, first, yeah. and then it went on to be the LP that we know now. And they also appeared like I mean, Misfits have got loads of EPs and singles. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. their total thing. Was just like loads of early EPs and singles before they even released a full album in Walk Among Us, but. I think like a, a lot of people really prefer the takes of these tracks from this first session, right? Like mm. it's a, a lot raw, and it's just got a really distinctive togetherness to the sound of all of them because they were recorded in those that that one space and time. And you know, apparently, a um, little bit of trivia: when they went to transfer these onto digital, once they knew they were able to release them, the tape that it was on was right on the edge of deteriorating. It was it was starting to to, to break up, and so they transferred. They actually baked it. I believe there's like a method where you can bake it and it gives it like a bit more longevity, it dries it and allows it to be transferred. Wow. And then shortly after the transfer, it started to literally fall apart and the tapes were destroyed just by fatigue on the tape. But they'd fortunately just been able to get in under the wire and get it transferred onto digital. Otherwise, yeah. you would never have actually had these sessions. So it was, a, it was a really, yeah, really close run thing. You can hear that so, on there. You can hear that on it as well. You can hear that. Uh, it, does, it sounds aged. They're like proper garage tracks. And mm-hmm. um, when I had been reading about it on some different internet forums, I'd seen a post from the guy from a guy in the 80s saying, sorry, referring back to the 80s, saying that there was rumours of the Static Age recordings and that um, it was bootlegged on different tapes at the time. And people had to hunt down a copy of the tape and because it had been recorded from a recorded tape further and further down the line, then when they eventually got their hands on them, it was this really terrible quality, but people were so excited to get a hold of it. And then eventually when the album did come out, um, it was just so fantastic for all these people that had obtained these cassette tapes back in the 80s of the original recordings. So it must have been such an exciting period for people that listen to the band back then to then be waiting 20 odd years for it to eventually um, materialise. Yeah, so I mean, technically this would have been their first album Mm -hmm. and uh, as it is, it's their third album. Is that right? But also, what would also have been their first album when this didn't come out was a a record called 12 Hits From Hell, which Mm -hmm. I think was going to be like a kind of collection of all those early kind of choice cuts of EPs and singles and things. But I believe that Jerry Only's brother joined on guitar and that's when they, yeah. yeah, and that's when they decided, right, we're going to push in a different direction now that we've got this slightly different lineup. And then what came out was Walk Among Us. Yeah, 
which it's a great record it's really yeah. good album. it is yeah. it is good it's good I noticed that there's actually some points in Walk Among Us that you can really hear the offspring of Lifted no big, doubt. big 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 right, right, right. but I mean not right <laughs> let me just stop you there Chris because I was thinking about this is a punk recording episode of the Unsung podcast so I think it's really important <laughs> that we get Pennywise. it out of the way now why don't we just say bad religion and Pennywise before we go any further since you will inevitably bring them up at some point <laughs> I deserve that for busting your balls about coronavirus. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I do think Offspring have taken a lot of ideas from that yes. record. There are a lot of aspects of their sound. A lot of SoCal bands, which is really odd because they're a band for the East Coast, right? It's, I think it's kind of strange. That obviously, through the tape circles, like Anna just mentioned, it clearly got there probably quite rapidly. <laughs> like coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, like coronavirus. <laughs> Why are you joking about it now, Chris? <laughs> but... Uh, the horror image of the band, uh, Jerry only was saying that uh, they really got it from watching, they, they really admiring the sort of, uh, what would you call it, the uniformity of the Ramones mm-hmm. that wanted to do something similar but in their own particular way. Mm-hmm. And so they decided, you know, rather than dressing in denims and leathers or whatever or just some tweak in that, they, they, they all wanted to fit into one thing but be a little bit more sort of like eccentric a little bit more ostentatious hence yeah. this this horror garb thing sort of came up and it's obviously a theme of a lot of the early songs <laughs> sometimes yeah. for better and worse uh, like, like Last Caress with its uh, highly questionable lyrics that's uh, the thing about Last Caress like that was before they decided to change direction and do horror stuff so what the fuck was he thinking about <laughs> yeah I mean for those that don't know <laughs> the, the fact the first the first verse is I killed your baby today which is actually not as bad as the second verse <laughs> so <laughs> I raped your mother today. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but, but hey, I different mean, times, I guess. Throughout the songs on the album, sex and violence, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also, I mean, they kind of earned their stripes as well. And Misfits were genuinely, apparently, arrested for alleged grave robbing in New Orleans <laughs> when they were trying to find a grave in the middle of the night. True, true thing. Honestly, Doyle was interviewed about this, and uh, it was one of those kind of Wikipedia true or false things. And he was like, "No, that is actually true." And apparently, uh, one of the one of them got away. I think it might be Jerry got away with the money, and. Uh, the rest of them got lifted and Jerry came, yeah, Jerry came back to the station with all the band's money and had enough to bail out like three of them but uh, Robo who was the drummer at the time he didn't have enough to bail him out and had to leave him in jail <laughs> and he left soon after no doubt yeah and Robo who was recommended by Henry Rollins to yeah. join the band after he'd been recently dismissed from Black Flag mm-hmm. uh, Black Flag actually played quite a big bit, a big role in, in the Misfits early uh, history as well, early mm-hmm. and medium history, I guess. Uh, Can we talk a little bit about Walk Among Us and some of the, cause some sorry, the last please, songs on that? Well, some great yes, songs on please. Walk Among Us. I just love that album. I, uh, when we were discussing which um, whether it would be Static Age as an unsung album, you know, I was thinking Walk Among Us was my favourite for a long time, and there's some absolutely incredible songs on there. Like I said, first Misfits song I heard when I think I was 15 was Skulls. And that is a real standout track on it. Vampires, amazing as well. I've always felt a wee bit. 
confused by why they chose to include the live recording of Mommy Can I Go Out and Kill Tonight. Because I think that it actually doesn't sit well with the rest of the tracks. Great song, but um, it's a bit jarring hearing that live recording and amongst the rest of them. Aside from that, I just think it's visceral, heavy, proper punk rock music. I really love Hate Beaters on that record. It's one of my favourites. And Afro Zombies is cool as well. And Brain Eaters is also a good song. It's also interesting. Dan's like play drums on that song. I think yeah, Astro Zombies good. was the one that, that stood out for me the most as well. I really like that mm-hmm. one. Yeah, that's brilliant. It's, it's a great record. Yeah. It's a really good album, and we almost picked it. Yeah, close to. Said. Uh, but it is very different from their second album, Earth AD. Their technical second album, mm. yeah, Earth AD, which was 1983, and holy shit, it's only 14 minutes long, and it is fast <laughs> as fuck. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 kind of fast to the point where like they can't really play it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're not the best technical band. Let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, the the, the drummer for the early years is so goddamn basic, and it, it, I like it, but it's really basic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, Robo was in the band at this point, and that was the only record he did with them, right? Yeah. And he had chops. I mean, coming from Black Flag, he had to play fast, and they really seemed to go to push in that direction. Uh, they re-released that as well, right? They re-released that uh, with extra tracks. Yeah, so they had they released it with um, just We Bite and, of course, Die Die, My Darling, which yeah, is a which huge, is a huge total legend. Song. For me, with my limited knowledge, that was the one that I really knew already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the one Metallica covered, uh, along with Green Hell, which is also on this Green, record. Yeah, Green Hell's yeah, a fantastic really song. song. Mm-hmm. Demonomania is really good too. I, I like that. Um, that's the one AFI covered, and it sounds yeah. quite different in their hands. It's a lot more. Is that the one that's like 45 seconds long? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's faster than it's odd. I mean, AFI at uh, the, 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 the age. <laughs> when this is my mother's a whore. Is that, yeah. is that, that one? <laughs> <laughs> or a slut or something like that. But yeah, the, yeah the, the AFI version is. is uh, they were obviously much better players at a much earlier age, so it actually sends up a lot more together. Um, but yeah, I think it's a, a good little studio. It's like almost like thrash, but it's still punk. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and as you say, Robo left, and he was replaced by a guy called Brain Damage. <laughs> There's maybe a clue in the name. Um, but <laughs> as you also mentioned, they went on hiatus mm-hmm. around about this time because, uh, well, I guess Danzig had already been auditioning basically a second band because he wanted to do something with better players in a slightly more metallic direction, right? Yeah. So th- there was this there was this hi- hiatus period, but did you hear about their last show? Because apparently their last show of this era was an absolute disaster. 
Is that when they got uh, they brought in a, uh, they brought in a drummer to play for that show and he got so drunk they couldn't do it? So, yeah, they brought in Brain Damage. He did the last period of that band, mm. but Brain Damage for that last gig was blind drunk and could barely play the show. He was absolutely all over the shop. So they were being supported by a band called The Necros and the drummer from The Necros had to jump up on stage to try and finish the gig. And I was trying to put myself in their shoes at that point if you know you're about to go on hiatus, you're probably like, thank fuck, man, that was a, that was horrible. <laughs> fuck this band, I just went out. Yeah, and then there was a series of compilations that came out after 1983, right? Yeah, so he went, uh, Dan's went away and, and re-recorded some of the songs in Static Age. What the f- yeah. What a fucking idiot, because like, he took out all the bass, added <laughs> shitloads of reverb, and then he overdubbed all the guitar, basically he cut all the other guys out of the yeah. royalties. It's not even a a good recordings of the songs. They just sound terrible. They're not. They're not anywhere near as good as what ended up on Static Age. They totally lose what makes those songs special. Like I said, that garage sound. um, It's not got the same raw feel to it. The way that he's trying to update them just actually doesn't make sense. Obviously, because he was so desperate to start Samhain. Absolutely bad call on his part. Totally. I mean, he's, he's got a, a legacy making quite poor calls, hasn't he? Really? <laughs> think about it. <laughs> Where do you stand on Sam Hain? He's, I see the thing I like about Dan's like he's actually quite a good guy at doing what he does like songwriting wise good singer he's a great singer um, but Sam Hain's cool it's a cool concept but for me it just it's getting too far away from the things I like about Misfits Anna well uh, I've actually seen one of the incarnations of Sam Hain because when I went on my honeymoon it was when Danzig did his legacy tour so I went to see him on Halloween in Hollywood and the first set that he played was a Danzig set. The second set was, I think the second one was the Misfits set where Doyle joined him on stage and the third one was the Samhain set where he had Lyndon May and Steve Zing join him and then uh, back to playing some Danzig songs at the end so for me that was incredibly special to be able to see that on Halloween that's pretty cool yeah and um, hearing the Samhain songs was really good they're not a band that I'm that fussed about because they are more on the metal side but getting to witness that was pretty spectacular yeah Uh, I'm I wanted to mention that I know we kind of skipped we kind of skipped over this, but I think it's really worth really really worth talking about Collection One or like the self titled yeah. Misfits album because that's that's how I got into the Misfits mm-hmm. like that record and I think if if you want to put if you want to write greatest hits collections I think that's probably one of the best. I <laughs> it's definitely got all the best songs on it. It's got all the best songs from that era on it, and it's just fucking phenomenal. I think is that just from the era of all the early singles. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. two albums like uh, Walk Among Us and Earth AD. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it has some. They had a lot to draw from, though, because, I mean, there were so many early EPs and singles that went on to become defining tunes of the band. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I think there's lots of songs that are on Collection One that then have gone on to be on Static Age. But it also mm-hmm. has maybe the iconic ones that we have already mentioned as well. Um, we, we can't not mention Christ the Conqueror. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't actually know that Jerry Only and Doyle were were like that Christian. Yeah. What? Are you a fan? <laughs> so yeah, like uh, Jer- Jerry Only and Doyle are like really, really big Christians and when no Misfits way, were man. like... How did I not yeah, know they- this? Anna, they started a band called Christ the Conqueror, which is a Christian metal band. Fuck yeah. off. This is crazy. This is what happens it, when you just immerse yourself in Danzig. You don't learn about this other shit. Well, that's part of it, actually, because Jerry only had made a comment later on in his career about how if Glenn and him ever wanted to mend the bridges and do anything again, he would have to apologise to him for all the blasphemy that he'd done in his solo career. (laughs) Oh, my God. <laughs> so uh, yeah, Christ the Conqueror. They'd all be apparently they'd all been listening to stuff like Iron Maiden for a long time, and they were really determined to do something that was more metal and a bit more symphonic in the kind of dueling sort of sense. And it ended up coming out kind of like Manowarish. <laughs> it's like very OTT, and uh, yeah, I mean, and obviously with the Christian spin in it, it's kind of jumps the shark oh, in a big way. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's a fun novelty. Mortifying. I mean, Doyle is almost religious about the fact that he's a vegan, as most vegans are. But to find <laughs> out that he is actually a heavy Christian, I mean, it's such a contradiction. How does that he's make like, any sense? Be like if Dave started a band called Linda McCartney. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, it to me it, it makes a kind of sense because if you think about this, this the, the the stuff the Misfits done later on without Danzig it's a lot more schlocky and, and definitely oh, more on the human side of that's not of even horror. the misfits because the misfits are Danzig's band right he wrote the songs he certainly he, thinks so <laughs> <laughs> Jerry certainly concepts. disagrees <laughs> uh, well talking about big names as well uh, shall we jump headfirst into the Michael Graves era yeah okay <laughs> So they did two albums, Michael Graves. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so um, the album that uh, Static Age came out in 1996, but in 1997 they released what was effectively their first new recording, for, from their perspective at least, in the form of uh, American Psycho, American which Psycho. may come up again later, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> To me, this sounds a lot like pop punk. Uh, it's certainly some of the pop punk that we grew up with in like the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. It's a misfit's way. A handful, if you want to be generous, good songs and better production. So you can yeah, still hear... And little hints of metal as well. Yeah. It's got those little moments for Christ the Conqueror like without the kind of full-on kind of Man of War power metal thing going on. Yeah. It does have more metal in its performance, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's it's not terrible. There's a track in that one called Crimson Ghost that was pretty decent. Mm-hmm. But that kind of stood out. Hey, 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 hey. 
and then I mean they got up our bones man come on that chorus is just awesome Do you hate all of it, Anna? American Psycho? I mean, I'm going to try and be diplomatic about it here. Because no, don't be diplomatic. People, just... We've found out that our audiences hate people being diplomatic. Okay, we get a lot more interaction if you're just <laughs> dispense with that shit and speak right, your okay. mind, all right? Well, I think, I think it fucking sucks. I think that Michael Graves <laughs> is a dancing impersonator. I think it's embarrassing that the band tried to start again without him. And I also think if they were going to do that, they should have found a singer that didn't sound like Danzig in any way at all and just gone for something completely different. I actually feel sorry for Michael Graves. Um, I think that he got into something that obviously he was totally out of his depth and he's gone along with it. However, I do have a friend that says Michael Graves' era misfits is his favourite stuff as well. So... I can empathise with your friend Mark, although I was slagging him off earlier <laughs> that yes, there are people out there who feel that way about Michael Graves, but it's just lame. Everything about it's lame. Yeah, the fact that they've I'm, still I'm, continued to try and do the horror thing is fucking lame. They've become <laughs> an absolute parody of themselves and the way that they amp up the face makeup and everything is just... Absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> See, I'm I'm a wee bit sceptical uh, as to how much it is because it actually objectively sucks and how much of it is because people are just a wee bit sore because they're sort of in love with this early band and somewhat nostalgic and maybe that kind of clouds their judgment a bit. Because I would resent something more if it wasn't what I wanted, even if it was on its own terms actually pretty decent. And I think that's kind of the attitude that some other folks come at it with is that, you know what, like, compared to their peers, this is actually really pretty good music. Mm. It's just that it's not the original lineup and therefore it doesn't necessarily get a fair hearing. Do you feel you're being objective is what I'm getting at? Well, no. I can't be because my attitude towards it is it's a different band, right? So see if they just called themselves something different and then they misfits. did some misfit songs, that would be okay with me. But the fact that they're trying to continue this legacy that Danzig built and they're going down a different path. And to me, it's even weird because he was obviously trying to influence a, a more metal sound towards the end of their career and the rest of the band resisted it. Yet then when they rebooted themselves in the late 90s, they go down a metal route. It's just really like galling it's like they're clawing at trying to catch up yeah there was one one important thing we, we kind of haven't mentioned that we should mention and it kind of informs my feelings about this area of the misfits despite the fact i think they've got quite a, a few good songs is so they were involved in a massive legal battle and they've always been involved in a massive legal battle at some point or another and apparently they still are and that's why they're the original misfits at this moment in time but i guess we'll come back to that this particular era of misfits came around because uh, Glenn Danzig was in again in this massive legal battle, and he got the rights to the early songs, mm -hmm. royalties, etc. Because why wouldn't he? He fucking wrote them all, right? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Jerry only got the image rights and the name and all that. Mm -hmm. So everyone knows that 
much like Metallica, Misfits kind of got their branding fucking dead on, and that's like a total money get money grab, in my opinion. Yeah, the Misfits don't need to didn't need to continue after the eighties, really. They were yeah. done, they ha- and they have since proven they had nothing else really to add to, you know, the lexicon of punk, if you want to put it that way. In your opinion, yeah, I mean, and the general opinion, good band yeah. if you like that kind no, of I'm, era. I, but um, I'm just but I'm making the point that there are people that do really like some of the stuff that came out on yeah. American Psycho and on the follow up. I like a couple of I really like a couple of songs. I thought I would put them up there with like Classic Era Misfits, a few of the songs on these two records, but I just don't think they need to be a band. I just didn't think they needed to continue, and it, it, mm-hmm. the fact they're still going. I mean, that, that is kind of, it's kind of burn, born out. That is another them. order of absurdity. Yeah. So, and I'm guessing you love the album Famous Monsters, which followed American Psycho. <laughs> 1999 <laughs> uh, I mean it's I think it's actually got some really pretty interesting stuff in it I mean I don't spend time listening to it I'm not a pop punk fan but Lost in Space is alright mm. uh, Descending Angel is alright I actually thought the song Scream was pretty cool and the, vid- cool the video is badass mm. like George A. Romero directed it mm. that's yeah. fucking cool That, that that is alright. That one. If I heard that without any misfits context, I would probably have liked that song. In your sympathy for Michael Graves, though, I do know that the band rapidly lost patience with the guy during mm-hmm. this era because he was just became so unreliable. It, mm-hmm. Even for that that video shoot, he's not in that video. It's a it's a an understudy mm-hmm. that plays Michael Graves in the George A. Romero video because he he just didn't turn up for the shooting yeah. after all the trouble they they went to to try and set it up and that was just happening a lot for interviews for radio sessions things like this he just wouldn't appear mm-hmm. and the band just got completely scunnered with it and that's why he ended up leaving effectively but uh, getting booted even though even though he's a clear bit of a pop bag because he's a he's a massive libertarian now and he has been very alt righty over the course of the past couple of years in fact I think he's had a show cancelled and stuff because of some of the things he said uh, Saturday Night is m- m- my top 5 favourite Misfit songs Well there you go you said there's nothing else to add <laughs> nothing else to contrast it apart from a handful of songs oh, yeah top 5 that is so, uh, and then you've got like postmodern misfits. So, I mean, that's a sorry state of affairs, really. Yeah. We've ended up with Des, Des Cadena from Black Flag, another Black Flag tie in, mm-hmm. joined them in. Marky Ramon was drumming for them for a while yep. as well. Uh-huh. I mean, you look at the pedigree in that, it's absolutely pretty amazing, eh? And then you've got the guy, the, the, origin, the only original member, um, bass player, and now singer, uh, Jerry Only, who <laughs> is just an, a poor imitation of Michael Graves, who's a poor imitation of Glenn Danzig. I know, it's painful. <laughs> I mean, I think it kind of goes without saying but I need to say it anyway that if Jerry only was a singer he would have sang for them during the first reboot period so the fact that yeah, they're yeah. really scraping the barrel by this time and he's singing for them doing a really terrible warbled impersonation of Danzig it is just next level pathetic and the outfits that they start pulling out around that time where they look like a cheap imitation of Guar 
is utterly <laughs> ridiculous. Oh man, <laughs> something else I, I need I need to mention about the Michael Greaves era is they were also wrestlers in WCW at that time. That is amazing <laughs> as well. That is amazing <laughs> that they started doing it. Which members was it that did that? It would have been Jerry only because he likes to lift heavy things. <laughs> right. <laughs> and they had they had uh, I think it was the same guy that played the Kiss Demon in WCW was actually the same guy that played one of the like the Misfits based wrestler as well in WCW. I think it was in 1998. I think I could be wrong. Wrestling geeks come at me if I'm wrong. Um, but <laughs> yeah, that was a thing. That was a definite yeah, thing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a brilliant thing for the Nexus. <laughs> <laughs> it's got us out of a number of dead ends. Yeah, love it. Uh, but no, I mean, they're a, they're a bit of a nick now. Yeah, well, see, see Project 1950, right? It's kind of fun. It's not brilliant. I mean, kind of. So Mark, Ma- yeah, I know. Ma- Mark walked in on me tonight, right? Watching this vlogger, this misfit super fan vlogger, go absolutely tonto about how much he hates Project 1950 <laughs> and how much they needed to fuck off. And also, he was raging because he thinks that the misfits, once they got like Dave Lombardo and stuff like that involved, missed a trick by not actually recording the studio album because he was like they had such a fucking great band mm-hmm. assembled out of nowhere, and yet they chose just to release a bunch of old pish. Yeah. Two guitarists, so they've got A.C. Slade, formerly of the Murder Dolls, of Dope and all that, like, and legendarily nice guy. I've met him a bunch of times. Super, super nice dude. Um, he plays second guitar for them, so they, they're going to... I imagine if, if you saw him live now, they also sound a lot more muscular, which would, which would be a total treat, I think, to see, you know? <laughs> and they look more muscular, because yeah. Doyle is pretty, pretty muscular. Yeah. <laughs> Aye, so, uh, so you want to take us on a wee tour of the uh, Static Age? Wait, album? wait, you don't get out of that easily, come on. Oh, fuck it, the Devil's Reign. The hell their souls committed, 300 years have passed, the book still rides, Corpa still waits. It's what you put your faith in return. We don't need to go into the later stuff, do we? It's, we need to talk about how, how this is an aberration of a record. <laughs> right, okay. You're just going to end upset. It's, it's awful. Uh, it's way too long. It does a mad, weird sort of sub-metal thing. Uh, Jerry only... It's obviously worked on his voice and he can now sing a little bit, which is cool, but it's just, just total garbage. Like, nothing illustrates the band's fall from grace and, you know, legacy is a cash grab more than that record and also the, the original Misfits the, the lineup clearly just for cash when you think about it but yeah their, their latest record is just a complete fucking car crash Anna you listened to it? no didn't even know they yeah, had I'm not surprised can't, can't bring yourself to do it yeah I mean from what I heard it was just so so unremarkable it's like boring so boring which yeah. is it's, it's, that's the thing I would, I would I would have actually had a little bit of respect for it if it was trying to do something a little bit interesting but it's just pure bland old man metal have they still got the blue guy in the band I remember seeing photos of them with someone that was blue possibly <laughs> the blue man like the blue man group kind of blue like painted blue I like you know the the weird crazy horror makeup next level but they've got some guy that's like blue <laughs> oh man that's wild I didn't know that a crossover project <laughs> maybe they should start they should just start bringing in people from like Mushroom Head and all these all these out of work people with like makeup and masks yeah someone from uh, 
mud vein. <laughs> yeah, uh, the humbug guy, the drummer that looks like a humbug, sweetie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and has nothing but double kick. Uh, right now, can we talk about static age, please? Yes, yes. let's talk about static age. <laughs> right, well, you, you two are the experts, go for it. Okay, so it starts off with static age, right, which I think has got a super Stooges vibe. The sound yeah. at this point does. The mm. sound is that really. It's it's some very unfussy in the sound of this album, and it, it's so energetic as mm. a result. Yeah, and Stooges is a good comparison. Yeah, yeah it's I not at all like that, that. And TV Casualty, the next song, really go hand in hand with each other. In a sense, mm-hmm. they are quite similar. But I imagine that the band members grew up in an era where their families had their own TV sets at home and that's when they started becoming obsessed with watching telly, watching late night spooky movies like um, Vampire presenting movies as we know the Misfits were obsessed with Vampire and I think that the lyrics to both of those songs really tie in with that. Um, I'd also read that there's actually an acetate of Static Age and Teenagers from Mars that was made in 1978 and only six copies were produced. I couldn't find any listings online of anyone ever selling it, but what I'd read is that Danzig had produced them for the band themselves, so no doubt at some point we'll see something come up about those. That's, that's, that's a pretty cool fact. I, I mean, imagine what I would go for. That's insane. Uh, yeah. I was going to say see TV, see TV casually. You can totally see where Psycho Billy comes from, like out the back of that track, right? You can hear where a lot of punks like AFI and stuff and Tiger Army would be taking it from. So it goes on to Some Kind of Hate, which is a classic Misfits bop. Like this is the, the, the genesis of the sound comes from here, like the pop punk and, and, and sort of throwing the kind of raw... Stooges nature of their music against the wall and, and see what happens and that's really does it for me I think it's a really really good um, really good sort of proto-pop punk song I would agree with that. I think it's a really good jangly, upbeat dancer and there's so many woes in it that really um, typify their sound and I think that a lot of people really would hold that up as quite an iconic Misfits song. Um, and to me it's definitely one of my favourites that I've played when I've been DJing because I think it's really good for getting folk on the dance floor despite it being a punk song Uh, Last Caress which you spoke about earlier on right That is one of the most well-known Misfit songs. <laughs> it's a good song. It's just, it's pure edgelord. <laughs> In the modern context, at least. Yeah. yeah. So many bands have covered that song. 
It's yeah. interesting though. I mean, you just no, no matter how tongue in cheek it is, you would really struggle to get away with it now. Yeah, you really would. Yeah, I think they probably yeah. struggled at the time as well, which is probably why it sat on an album for for eighteen years. Mm. <laughs> yeah, because they couldn't get a label to release Static Cage. I mean, uh, despite shopping it around, mm-hmm. I wonder if how much of that played a part in it. Well. As I mentioned earlier, sex and violence are the themes throughout the album. This one's obviously a standout track and it's so different to the others in the way that it musically sounds. But I would say it's kind of similar to hybrid moments in the way that there's a wee bit more of the crooning aspect to it. But it's such a juxtaposition between the violence of the lyrics regarding killing babies and raping mothers, but then the the smooth sounds of the way that Danzig sings it at times. He really is doing his big Jim Morrison impersonation in this one. Mm-hmm. And I would say it's That's almost the the style of his singing in this one is like a dirty punk version of Morrison's vocals on End of the Night. I That's a really, really good point. Yeah, yeah. I could hear that, that coming from, through yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're all, I, mean, I honestly think this is a band with a, a huge communal Oedipal complex but when you think about how many times they talk about raping mothers my mother was a slut Danzig's <laughs> biggest single was mother like, these guys have definitely got a fixation yeah yeah definitely sure. uh, Return of the Fly I like the initial riff on it, but it doesn't really. This one doesn't really do it for me. I think it's pretty. This is. I mean, this is one that really stood out in my memory from the first few listens. Yeah, the O's in the back, the backing vocals, the O, the O's are really good. It took me yeah. a while to figure out that he was saying Return of the Fly, though. I wasn't looking at the track listeners. He just, he just lists the characters in the film. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like <laughs> it's definitely the most straightforward of their songs. Um, and my notes, all I've written is just horror movie. There's not much <laughs> about it. But then you've got Hybrid Moments, which is, uh, in my head, it's like the Misfits song. It's just, it has everything. It's got the humour, it's got the darkness, it's got the schlocky B-horror stuff. Fucking the 60s, 60s rock, 70s punk, it just... The proto pop punk thing it all comes together on this, and obvious, and so many bands have covered it as well. So many different styles. It's funny yeah. that it's called hybrid moments as well. Yeah, in that sense. yeah. I mean, yeah. A really I, strong. I've song. written. I think it's quite a Lovecraftian song because of the lyrics in it about when creatures rape your face, hybrids open up the door, and visualizing the likes of Cthulhu and the tentacles and everything coming down on someone's face. I think that it also has that same 50s crooner sound. It's been likened a lot to the way that Jim Morrison sings, but I hear more of a Dion type sound in the song. And it's interesting that you'd also Celine Dion. <laughs> oh, yes, of course. <laughs> That's next level crooner. <laughs> Wait, who's Dion? Like Dion and the Wanderers. But I'm actually mostly thinking of this Dion song called Born to Cry. I'm going to have to find that now because yeah, I'm not familiar. 
it's yeah just the tone of his voice and the way that he hangs on different notes as well um you said about how many different covers have been of it so when i looked it up i was able to find a list of 36 different bands covering it and yep. um loads of ones that i'd never heard of before however some of the ones that stood out to me that i had a wee listen to were brodie dal her voice is obviously fantastic I saw some live footage of her using an acoustic guitar singing it and it sounded great. It's also the B-side wow. to one of the singles that she released that I've got and it, it's, it sounds great in the recording. However, the Bounce and Souls version of it is absolutely terrible. It's like yeah, some lame, slow acoustic version of it. It's really boring and it's actually quite embarrassing that they would attempt to turn a song like that into this weird ballad. Um, and an absolute curveball for me was Mac DeMarco's cover of it. Did you guys listen Fuck to that? Off. I know that his band famously do silly things on stage and but actually I thought that they did the song justice to be honest. But yeah, what so... I would say about the song itself is that the romance of the sound leaves you wanting more. It's only 1 minute and 43 seconds and I think that most people crave for it to just be a little bit longer but the appeal is the fact that it is short and punchy. Yeah, I agree. It's got an oddly romantic feel even though it's, you know, horrible and lyric yeah. content. <laughs> Definitely. And then it goes on to We Are We Are 148 which is actually, the, I think this was actually the first Misfix song I ever heard which is bizarre. I like that song a lot. Yeah, We Are 138, you know, it's got the gang vocals, I think is probably a lot more punk sounding than the preceding songs on the album. Famously, Henry Rollins is part of the gang vocals in it. And oh, I don't know that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's third Black yeah, Flag time. An iconic song. I like how it gets faster and faster and faster. I don't know if that's deliberate or not, uh, but it's, it's a pretty cool vibe, especially given that the whole album's recorded in 30 hours. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Teenagers from Mars, which is another pop punk tune that I have a lot of time for. Yeah, it's a total progenitor, that one. You mm. can really hear the legacy of it. Yeah. yeah. The mix is kind of annoying on it because the bass is really high on this one, I found. Um, but yeah, it's totally silly and really catchy, which I, which I dig. Yeah, it's a brilliant song. Um, it actually features on the Horror Business single, along with Children in Heat. Um, but those songs aren't on this album. And I last saw a copy of that single for sale in a record shop in London about three years ago for £499. 
Did you buy it? Sadly, no, but maybe one day. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I was thinking about the other day? I, I don't know if Where Eagles Dare was recorded in the same session as this or close to it, but it would have fit really well on this record. Yeah, it would have, and um, it's a shame that they don't include Cough Cool on the album as well, but um, yeah. we can speak about that a wee bit later. But they did put Come Back on, which I think is, nah. <laughs> Comeback's a filler song, I think. Five minutes long of filler as well. You could have put, <laughs> you could have put those songs on it. <laughs> it's still would have been less than five minutes. <laughs> It's, it's kind of got a Dorsey feel, totally like a, a really yeah. big Doors vibe in this. Yeah, it does. Um, I like the I like the vibe of the song, but I just I just kind of struggle to get through it. It's like one of those things I like. Like the, idea. Like the Doors generally. Yeah, 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 yeah basically. <laughs> <gasps> so that's a cool, cool idea you. but no <laughs> um, so what I would also say is the way that the track listing works for the LP is that Comeback is the first track on side two and it's a weird one I think to start a terrible decision one side yeah. of the album with terrible because decision. it's quite dragged out sounding surely that would be the end of side one right should have been but yeah. unfortunately not but- but you could start and then you, you would start off side two with Angel Fog, which is also another really good pop punk song. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just all right. I know this seems silly, but I don't really like songs that have swear words in the titles. Because I think it's quite a juvenile okay. way to name a song. But I guess they were teenier, teenagers when they were writing these songs. So I can understand why they've done that. It just doesn't really do it for me. Uh, Hollywood Babylon, I think, is quite a famous song for them. Yeah. It doesn't really land very well for me, although I get quite a cool chorus. did think the chorus number was pretty strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's such a dark, seedy and sexy song, I think. And with the reference to the Kenneth Anger book and the underground workings of what happened in Hollywood in the 1950s, the, the way that actors, actresses, everyone was sleeping with each other. The lyrics in the songs are very graphic. The way that it describes sex within the song as well. I feel it's quite immersive when thinking about that time period and obviously the Misfits and Danzig's obsession with the likes of Marilyn Monroe, then I feel as though this really ties in all of those different themes. That's a, good, that's a really good point, actually. I hadn't really thought of that, but yeah, that's cool. Attitude's a really good song. It was covered by Guns N' Roses in the Spaghetti Incident. It's 
it's a great straight up punk song and it's got more punk themed lyrics unlike their other mm. songs I feel that it stands out from the other tracks around it it's nice and punchy it does what it says on the tin yeah I think it is a good demonstration of how they sounded musically and his vocals as well yeah and then it's followed by Bullet which is my favourite Misfit song that is the one That is my favourite also. Good, such a good song. And yeah. the are so dark as well. Oh, so fucking dark. And <laughs> it's just such a sweaty sounding graphic song. It's also straight up punk like the previous song. It's like being shot in the face with the lyrics. And then... <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that it was quite interesting to think about like being shot in the face, allegedly, by Lee Harvey Oswald, but also Danzig <laughs> at the same time, the references to different bodily fluids, and it is just one minute 30 of pure dominance. <laughs> <laughs> and another wee bit of information about the single... So it was released in 1978 and included We Are 138, Attitude and Hollywood Babylon on it. And I looked up on Pop Psych earlier, the highest it has ever sold for was £1,947 on eBay in July 2018. Mm-hmm. And then, so the official release of the record would have ended if it, if it, if it was ever released, would have ended with Theme for a Jackal, number 14. it doesn't it goes on for another couple of tracks after that but you can totally tell it's got that kind of closing vibe to it because it's kind of yeah. dark and brooding and it's kind of doing a little kind of something a little bit different again so I'll come back but condensed almost yeah it's such an unusual song that one um, when you read through the lyrics there are a lot more detailed than the other songs it very much seems to be telling a dark tale um, and I think that there's really good organ piano use throughout that song as well I think it's a shame that they moved away from that type of style because I think that was what made them really different for me and that's more the style that I enjoy however what I would also add about the lyrics of the song is that because of the the line dead daughter in the river entrance gains by our liver it always makes me think of the opening scene of Twin Peaks where they find cool her body wrapped in the clothing and it's on the beach and it's just really an interesting theme. I don't think the two are connected, but the different Misfits songs quite often paint a really graphic picture in my mind. And I've also Mm. read that this has possible Hamlet themes in reference to Ophelia and an angrier response to Goodnight Sweet Prince within it and I think that that's quite interesting to consider whether Danzig was going down that route 
But another theory that I'd read was that it could possibly tie in with Danzig's obsession with the Kennedys. Did you guys read about that? No, no, no. I hadn't, no. So that could be a strong possibility considering the previous song was Bullet, but mm. the reference could possibly be about the Chappaquiddick incident. I'm not sure if mm. I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yeah, you are, was, yeah, te- with, yeah, with Teddy Kennedy. Yeah, yeah, so about the car accident. So for those listening who don't know about it, on Friday, July 18th, overnight into Saturday, July 19th, 1969, there was an accident caused by Teddy Kennedy and his neg- negligence where he crashed his car and his female passenger was trapped inside the vehicle. He allegedly tried to get her out of the vehicle when it crashed into the river. However, he swam away. He managed to escape from it, but didn't report it to the police until 10 a.m. the next day. And a member of the public had actually discovered uh, the accident and reported to the police at 9am that day. So I thought that it's quite possible that the song could have also been influenced by that incident. That's really interesting. I hadn't even thought of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting uh, incident as well because of the implications for the, the cover-up within the Kennedys who were kind of known mm-hmm. for, you know, with Bobby Kennedy becoming the was it Attorney General, is that right? Yeah. And John Kennedy using him as sort of assist with some of the, the, the wounds that inflicted in the, the unions. Mm-hmm. And there's actually a fair bit about that in the Irishman. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They were not squeaky clean. No, not at all. Uh, after that, I go to She, which is apparently about, well, many people think it's about Patty Hearst. Yes. Which is quite interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. Patty Hearst yeah. was. She, was she not abducted and then ended up taking part in a lot of the crimes that yeah. uh, they went on to commit? She allegedly had Stockholm syndrome, um, but yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, there's there's some controversy surrounding that as well. Whether she did actually have it, or if it was through her choice that she participated in the infamous bank robbery. But yeah, uh, apparently that is who it's about. And with it being the B side to Cough Cool, I think that. Those two songs, they're they're quite different from each other, and that was why earlier on I'd made the reference to Cough Cool and said it's a shame that that isn't included on this album because those two songs were the Misfits' first single. You know, say what you want about punk bands and stuff like Nails, but we're certainly having a much more interesting conversation <laughs> about the context of songs by Misfits. <laughs> so, you know, yes, Todd, so that- if you're still listening <laughs> two weeks later, <laughs> raging at us for slamming your album, you could have written about something interesting, mate. You yeah. could have written about something interesting. You had the chance. Yep. Everybody does. So that single was released in 1977. There was only 500 copies made of it. And the highest that it has ever sold for was an autographed copy on the 12th of November 2016, bought through eBay for £2,725. Did you buy it? No. (laughs) Even I couldn't justify that. Yes, and then it, there's two songs after that. There's Spiral Remains and In the Doorway, which are k- 
kind of cool, I think. Um, I can, it kind of loses me after Three for Jack, to be honest, although I do like She as a song, but those songs definitely feel like a bit of an afterthought to me, although they are... I mean, in the tradition cool. of albums of that era, there are too many songs. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are always too many fucking songs on the albums that came out at this time. Brevity was not in vogue. Yeah, absolutely. And it still managed to be 35 minutes long. <laughs> yeah, those two songs, I, I've not even considered saying much about them because I think they're much of a muchness. Yeah, I think I think you're probably right. So um that brings us to the end of Static Age. I think it goes in. I think it's interesting. It's got a really interesting history. When I was talking to my flatmate about it, he was saying that Static Age is probably not unsung. But nobody really thinks about Static Age as a record so when they think about the misfits, they think about the songs on it, but they kinda of think more about, you know, Walk Among Us and, and so on and so forth. Yeah. So I think it kinda of meets criteria in that regard. Yeah, and is I would that, agree that... with you totally because I think that when most people consider Danzigira misfits, the only misfits that counts in my opinion, they always mm-hmm. think about Walk Among Us and Earth A D. They, they tend to be the ones that people would mention and um, the songs are probably the ones that are the most popular collectively on those albums. So I think that it is unsung in the sense that people don't regard it as a full album of songs because it was released later, but also with it being such a different style to the more punk, heavier, maybe hardcore influenced songs. I think if it was released in, in you know, nineteen seventy nine, I suppose, if it was recorded in seventy as intended, it would be up there with one of the best first wave punk records, like yeah. no question. Yeah, definitely, and I think the way that um, they were popularised at the time through the bands that they toured with later on, then playing with some more punk bands, heavier sounding bands, it would have been really interesting for people at the time to have heard that album had it came out when they had originally intended it to. Yeah, I wonder if I wonder if they would have went down the same route they went down as well with uh, Walk Among Us. There's quite a bit of time between when that came out and when this would have came out, so I wonder if they would have went to the more kind of horror vibe or if they would have stayed to just been like this kind of Stooges band, style band with a little nod to gruesome, gruesome stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's quite possible. And maybe that they wouldn't have had the different lineup changes had they managed to release the album and gain more popularity and financial gain through that at the time. Maybe then the band members would have been able to gel more because they would have had a common goal. But who knows? Anyway, still still the best in my opinion. Chris? So I have... No dog in the fight as regards Misfits. They're not a band I'd ever really uh, investigated or sought out. And obviously now I've listened through all their different eras and I, I totally agree. Certainly the recent stuff, is we're not even going to waste our time on that. The stuff with uh, Michael Graves is what I initially thought of when I thought of Misfits because there's some tracks on that that I recognise just from like the Cat House and stuff when I was growing up, that kind of stuff. Um, it's fine. It's kind of gothy pop punk it, it doesn't really do anything for me uh, the two first albums that they brought out in the early 80s uh, Walk Among Us and Earth AD yep. um, I think are good they're, they're, they're interesting Earth AD is obviously quite a different beast it's really hard and fast and is much more authentically sort of like, like almost hardcore mm-hmm. in its vibe um, I think this album is really good I really like it 
I can't say that I'm not completely blown away by any of this, the individual songs. Let's put it that way. Like, I, I don't have that same nostalgic value. So some of the songwriting is obviously quite rudimentary because it it's old. It's 1978. It was, it was written and recorded. In. Um, but I think it's a genuinely exciting album in the delivery and the fact that it's been recorded in such a concentrated amount of time there's a real energy about it and it's also just got loads of personality in, in the way it's delivered I, I mean the drumming is very very basic slash poor at times but it kind of works in the context of it I, I love the just the weird stodginess of the guitar it is not a great tone but it really really suits it and it, it, you're right the, the analogy of the Stooges is a really good one because it, it's kind of accidentally brilliant if you know what I mean mm -hmm. it, yeah. it works very well in the context of it and just as an overall work I think it, it, it's a really enjoyable and sort of energising listen and I, yeah I would absolutely vote it in not least because I think the story behind it is so interesting uh, with with a huge delay in it being released I do agree that whilst some of the Misfits songs are famous I don't think this album is necessarily foisted on people as a, as a, a whole as a, an example of their genius and they're just such a, a hugely influential band um, and people, a lot of people, myself included and definitely a lot of my friends don't necessarily know why. They know them, oh the Misfits, yeah, they, get the, they know what they look like, they know roughly what it's like but they don't know why mm -hmm. they're so important and all the other bands that they've had a knock-on effect on. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm totally into it, yeah. I think it's a really good shout. I think it's a better shout than the others, even if you had been on the fence with Walk Among Us, I prefer this. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head there when you said the energy and that personality. That's exactly what the everything after everything after Danzig leaves just, just doesn't have that. And that it's interesting to think that's think about that's what he brought to it. Not just like the songwriting, obviously, clearly, but everybody knows he's a very strong personality. But you, you kind of don't really think about that aspect of it as being also inherently his. I mean, he's another one from from what I've heard of Danzig. I couldn't really give a fuck about Danzig. He's he's fine. It doesn't play a big part in my life. I think it's the chemistry of the the people that were in the band at this time it's a really nice combination mm -hmm. they're more than a, some other parts mm -hmm. so, I yeah, just think he's minute. got an amazing voice during that time as well um, oh his I voice is great it's very yeah. different to other punk singers of that period and I think that it lends itself to the different ways that he sings the songs the way that he croons the way that he turns punk songs into ballads the way that he is so heavily influenced by singers from a different era yet playing fast songs it just all works so beautifully together cool yeah I think you're right victory victory indeed uh, so go to our Facebook page and vote this in please I'm not going to tell you to just just fucking do it right it's basically what I'm saying uh, <laughs> and yeah now we're, we're going to do the Nexus uh, Anna did you do a Nexus? I, I mean I was really really struggling I've managed I managed to do a Nexus, but I think it's pretty lame. So that's that's okay. Mark's Mark's is even lamer than yours, and I know that for a fact. Yeah. So how about you go first, and then we'll let Mark get okay. out. Okay. Who's first? This is the first time we're seeing Nexus tonight. Will it be the last? What do they have in store this for us?
Why am I here? Mine is just, it's so straightforward. See, normally when I listen to you guys, you make it really interesting and it's like quite unusual connections. Stop, stop, stop. So this week it's Patrick Bateman. Uh, Mark, do you remember who chose Patrick Bateman? Uh, I don't, sorry. (laughs) Whoever you are, you're a hero. Anna? So, Chris, you had said to me, Haha, American Psycho was a Misfits album, so don't launch straight into that. But as you know, I don't (laughs) consider that an actual Misfits album, so it didn't even cross my mind. (laughs) And to be honest, I totally forgot that that even was a title of one of that piece of shit Michael Graves albums. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) so to start off with the Misfits, I was actually going down the misfits connection to the damned because they had infamously attempted to tour England with them however Danzig was arrested and then uh, famously wrote the song London Dungeon while he was in the jail over there (laughs) and I read that this summer a record company called Main Man Records will release Hero a tribute to David Bowie which is a limited edition LP and there's going to be tracks on it that are Bowie tracks covered by different bands, including members of The Damned. Then I moved on to who else was on that soundtrack, uh, sorry, that album, and Blondie was included on it. Blondie were also featured on the soundtrack for the movie version of Rules of Attraction, which is a Bret Easton Ellis novel that was adapted in 2002 and it starred James Vanderbeek as Sean Bateman, who is the younger brother of Patrick Bateman, who was, as you know, the main character in the book American Psycho, first published in 1987. Anna, you've done something absolutely amazing there. You have managed to ruin both Mark's and my next. Uh. <laughs> How's so, that? I don't even know. <laughs> Welcome to the party. <laughs> Welcome to the party, pal. Mark, what's your nexus? So, the first time I've got an album called American Psycho, and there's also a book called American Psycho, which stars the main character, Patrick Bateman. <laughs> <laughs> you absolute dick. <laughs> All right, I did put in. I did put in a lot more work than that, but Anna has usurped my ending. Um, but the the Misfits are, are named after the last ever film by Marilyn Monroe, mm-hmm. as you mentioned. Anna Danzig had a bit of an infatuation with her. Uh, The artist Madonna uh, heavily drew from Marilyn Monroe and the imagery around her, both for things like the the video Material Girl, which is a lot of allusions to Marilyn Monroe in it, but also uh, Madonna actually played Marilyn Monroe in a a sketch on Saturday Night Live in 1985. Um, Madonna's uh, single Frozen was accompanied by a video, and the video for Frozen was directed by a guy called Chris Cunningham, who's actually really famous uh, in the terms of music videos. Uh, Bjork, Aphex Twin, some of the most memorable images from music videos, certainly the like, late 90s, early 2000s. And Chris Cunningham's wife is Jenny Lee Lindbergh, who's actually the founder member and bassist of the band Warpaint. Uh, yeah. And Jenny Lee Lindbergh's sister is the actress Shannon Sossaman. Oh, uh, yeah. Shannon so- 
who was the drummer from 2004 to 2007 and then abruptly left. Shannon Sussman has been in various films, uh, the film Wrist Cutters, which is alongside Tom Waits, actually. Uh, the film A Knight's Tale, weirdly enough. And she was actually in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which I didn't realise, and she's the girl with the pink hair. Oh, really? There you go, yeah. Uh, but she was also in the film Rules of Attraction from 2002, playing a character called Lauren Hind. But and I'm gonna I'm gonna go you just one slightly better. Okay. In that film, as you said, James Vanderbeek, uh, aka Dawson, <laughs> uh, <laughs> plays the character Sean, and as you've given away, his second name is Sean Bateman. Uh, one of the clues to that is that uh, during the film, somebody comes up to him and says, "Oh, your brother's on the phone," and you don't know this. You don't get any of the context in the film because the whole part of Patrick, uh, believe it or not, Christian Bale was approached to reprise his role. Of Patrick Bateman in that film, and then he kind of they knocked it back because oh, he thought it was too tacky. Yeah, but you don't really get any clue that he's Sean Bateman, brother of Patrick, in that film in this in the context of American Psycho. But when he goes to answer that phone, and it's the only time in the film because they cut the other stuff out, he actually says Patrick when he picks up the phone. But it's not his brother that's on the phone; it's part of the story. It's somebody else calling him, pretending to be his brother. Uh, but that's the clue in the film. That's that's the allusion to Patrick Bateman in the film. Mm. Uh, actually, as it turns out, Sean Bateman, the character, featured in four of Brett Easton Ellis' novels, which mm. is pretty strange. I, I didn't realise that, but he's in Glamorama and I think he's in uh, The Informers, maybe, one of the early ones. But also, uh, he is mentioned in American Psycho. There's kind of a protracted bit. I think Patrick Bateman has dinner with him in American Psycho and the animosity between the two characters is, comes across. But I'm pretty sure there's a segment in that as well which is to do with his brother committing a murder at a, a boarding school or a, or a university campus. It's been a while since I read it, but there's a, there's a segment in it to do with Pat helping his brother out of a situation. And I think that's, the brother is Sean. Um, don't quote me on that, but I think it is. But yeah, Pat Bateman via a very similar route to Anna's. Thanks, Anna. <laughs> You shouldn't ask me to go first. <laughs> true, true. But that is the custom, Anna. That is the custom. You know, whoever picks the album gets to go first. Uh, but what we are going to do is, David has sent us uh, the info on what we're going to do next week for his episode, because mm-hmm. it's background to his choice. I believe... The Biden is the year of, uh, it's just called Year of No, no Light. Um, and it's Osserwelt. Osserwelt. Osserwelt? Yeah. It's, there you go so post metal next week's about as weaver as you can get if only it was plant based and uh, Mark do you want to put, I tell you what we can do actually Anna we can incorporate you into this it's like Wheel of Fortune where's the tub with all the all the new <laughs> crazy new you put your the suggestions stuff. on it okay Anna so in fact you can get involved in this draw because a bit like Wheel of Fortune what I'll do is I'll stir and you can randomly shout now and then I'll grab oh. whatever one I'm at it's kind of like I'm right. there. I'm visualising it, it now. Okay, are, as long you starting? Want. are you starting? I'm starting. Aye. Stutter. Okay, start deeper. Yeah, it's like beating an egg. You need to get right down to the bottom of the bowl. Deeper. Okay, right. <laughs> now! <laughs> okay. That's just a wee in. Uh, There's so many. Thank you so much for everyone for giving us your geez, suggestions. So, I mean, this, this does kind of count. The singing kettle... Which is actually a character in the singing kettle. Yep. Spout. Chosen by Jenny Hogan. Jenny Hogan. Lid of metal. What's inside the singing? Singing kettle. kettle. So as I found out recently, right, <laughs> this is an 
this is an exclusively Scottish thing. <laughs> very, very much so. I thought it would at least be British, but no, it's exclusively Scottish. Oh, yeah. This is this is a yeah. It's almost like you're here for listeners abroad. <laughs> <laughs> this is one one of the most Scottish things you'll find. I'm guessing uh, so both the singing... of you got to see singing kettle live when you were children. Mark's I think Mark's too young. No, I've seen it. I've definitely seen that a panto with them in it. Yeah, I, I saw it at the Mayfield Library in Stirling. <laughs> um, yeah, there was about 12 kids there. Brilliant. It, nice. <laughs> it was Greenock Arts Guild for me. And I also owned a singing kettle sing-along video. So next week is going to be the most chuchterous of uh, next eye. Yeah, for, for, just to give people context, if you're not Scottish, uh, it's basically a children's sort of sing-along TV show. Sing-along TV show for kids with a singing kettle, mm. literally. So thanks for that, Hogan. Can I just yeah. tell you my favourite singing kettle song? <laughs> fill, fill your boots. <laughs> it goes like this. I'm being eaten by a boa constrictor, a boa constrictor, a boa constrictor. I'm being eaten by a boa constrictor and I don't like it one bit. Oh no! (laughs) That sounds like a misfits tune. (laughs) (laughs) Just singing some woes. (laughs) Could you you sing that in the voice of Glenn Danzig? (laughs) I'm being eaten by a boa constrictor. There you go. Told you. It's a, it, it totally fits. Yeah, we, Weaver's gone. He's done. Yeah, we we can't follow. We that can't have Weaver coming back. We anymore. need to we need to end the episode there because that's as good as it's gonna get. Yeah, please please come back, Anna. Um, please come back soon because we need more of that. Unless of you know, <laughs> us talking shite for three of us. <laughs> I would be honoured to come back anytime. I've been chinning Chris for the last two years since I did the last episode to get back on. So bring it on. Yeah, the previous episode that Anna was on was a Riot Girl special, so I'd recommend any listeners that enjoyed our chat to go back and check that mm-hmm. one out as well. A little bit more informative and a little bit less in terms of swearing, but we'll get through it. <laughs> Before we finish entirely, um, just a reminder, which I can't believe I'm going to say this, but just a reminder is we are now on Rocksport Radio, which is rocksport.tv. We'll be on there doing a radio show at 10 o'clock on Tuesday nights and repeated again at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night if you've got nowhere else better to be but if you're in Britain it's on DAB and you can listen live online so and all the back episodes will be online basically me trashing Metallica this week yeah (laughs) (laughs) sounds excellent absolutely alright thanks Anna thank you see you on the other side bye